I'm Allison Bukowski, and this is The Customer X-Files. I'm delighted to bring my years of experience supporting, building, and leading customer marketing and advocacy initiatives to the amazing community that supported me throughout my career. I've always been committed to moving CMA programs from transactional to engaging, multi-dimensional experiences, and this podcast is no different. Each episode, I'm joined by an incredible thought leader within the customer marketing and advocacy space, generous enough to share insights, knowledge, and experience with all of us, the Customer X community. Brought to you by the PeerSpot Network, nothing is off limits. If it has to do with the customer experience, we want to talk about it. And just as our industry continues to evolve, so will this podcast. Several days after each session, we'll invite all of you to join in a live Q&A session with our guest. So let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Customer X-Files. I am Allison Bukowski, of course, but on this episode, I am joined by Jeff Gable, Customer Advocacy Lead at ServiceNow. Many of you already know Jeff. He's a seasoned advocacy professional who has supported every side of the customer advocacy cube, from managing global references, creating award programs, building case studies, and generally just amplifying the voice of the customer. He's passionate, I can attest to that, about relationship building and creating a hospitality-forward approach in the way to treat customers and internal stakeholders. Jeff is a New Yorker at heart, but resides just outside of Boston and can be found most of the time on the tennis court or in the kitchen cooking up new recipes. And I can say, Jeff and I, we didn't bond over the tennis court, I'll tell you that much, but we have bonded over food. And I think it's worth mentioning, fun fact, that we actually got to know each other through this community, being connected on LinkedIn, attending a couple of conferences together, and we've just grown to become friends as we've exchanged ideas and information. And Jeff is my go-to source when I want unbiased feedback on something that will always put the customer first, which is exactly why I wanted Jeff on the show. Thankfully, he graciously accepted. I'm really excited to have this conversation about building bridges with internal customers and stakeholders. So welcome, Jeff, to the show. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, I am certainly excited to dig in here. And I think that one thing, if anything, that all of us in this field of customer marketing and advocacy can agree on is just the critical importance of relationships. So we've described ourselves as connective tissue, glue. I like the way that you refer to us as bridge builders. Um, and we're going to get into that. What does that look like? What does it actually mean? Are there rules? We're going to talk about all of these things. And I know the audience is excited to hear about it, but you aren't going to get away without an icebreaker. Of course, we all know people before professionals. Uh, I'm still committed to making that hashtag stick. And we're in the midst right now of the holiday season. Uh, it's also just a time for reflection in general. So I'm curious if you would be willing to share one thing for which you are most grateful. And then, of course, there's food component. What side dish can you not be without on the holiday dinner table? Absolutely. So for me, I'm most grateful for, for family um, having everyone nearby at the tight little radius with my family, my in-laws. It's just nice to have, have everyone close by um, to have their health. And, you know, I just always appreciate that around the holidays. Um, and when it comes to holidays and side dishes, I have a Thanksgiving recipe that is based on a banh mi. So it's a banh mi stuffing that takes components from uh, a Vietnamese dish I'm going to put my own little spin on it, and I use the broth to hydrate lots of French bread. Uh, there are a ton of great veg and mushrooms in it, some secret sauces, some fish sauce. Um, and it's just kind of a fun riff on the dish and just showcases kind of global influence and, and fusion. And um, it's just always a hit at Thanksgiving. I love it. I love it. Well, for those of those of you who need that recipe, uh, either next time around for Thanksgiving or for, you know, Christmas or uh, whatever holidays you choose to observe for the remainder of the year, can they reach out to you, Jeff? 
Can they, is it, or is it a secret? Absolutely. Is it a family secret? Find, find me on LinkedIn, find me on social <laughs> and, uh, and we can talk. Sounds good. So I know you can talk about, about food because we've done it for, for probably for hours. Um, I'm actually this year have decided, like, I, I don't know about you, but I get bored sometimes with doing the same things. I mean, there's signature dishes, but I can't just seem to be happy with a turkey. Uh, and I usually do one for Christmas and I also do one for Thanksgiving. But this year, the secret ingredient is mayonnaise. New recipe, mm -hmm. haven't done it. And roasted garlic. So I'm going to try it. Uh, by the time this episode airs, I'll probably have, I can report out on it. But have you ever done it? like mayonnaise like i've heard people put it in chocolate cake but now it's the secret ingredient i guess to the ultimately moist turkey i don't know i, I was gonna say mayonnaise definitely in in chocolate cake definitely not the the healthiest option but um probably the richest um and my wife is um she's ukrainian so they have a lot of you know russian salads with with mayonnaise and, and other things so you can definitely take it from all different angles and all other cultures uh, but yes, you could also do it with turkey as well. I think you can cover it and um, it would come out very juicy. So I'm I'm here for it. Okay, we're, we're going to find out. And I actually like, I hate mayonnaise as a condiment, but it seems to rescue a lot of things. So we'll see, we'll see what happens um, with that. And in the meantime, let's, let's get back to talking a little bit about business. I have a feeling we'll end up incorporating food again in here somewhere, but we'll get back to the business chatter. And let's just start with some basics because you, you've had an illustrious career in customer advocacy. You have done a lot with a lot of different aspects of it. So how did you get started within this field? And then what makes you stay put? Absolutely. So I've always been this bridge builder throughout my life. It's something that comes natural to, naturally to me. It's something that I love to do. Um, and I say this because I believe that building bridges is a key principle within customer advocacy, being able to connect the dots, support your community with people and new ideas. And really, whether you're matchmaking two friends, which I've done before, actually, at a, at a pop-up dinner, and they're now happily married, or introducing a prospect to a satisfied customer, the skill set is the same, just understanding people, understanding connections. So now to really answer your question, I fell into customer advocacy by accident, as I imagine most people do. Um, I was working for an organization that supported incredible entrepreneurs, and my job was to identify and match make connections throughout the organization. So anything from you know, advice, fundraising rounds, legal expertise, real estate deals, um, helping them form bonds, you know, throughout their journey and make sure that they were, that they felt connected within the community. Um, and I, I love that. I love to see people light up when they, when they get connected. Um, and that had led me to my first, you know, tech SaaS advocacy career. Um, and it's, um, it's took off from there and it's allowed me to meet some, some really incredible people, which is why I, I stay in this community. Um, I have a, a camp meeting this week in Boston where I get to see other uh, great advocacy professionals and um, you know learn from them and see what's happening in the industry. And I, I just love you know some of the magic moments, the aha moments when you connect two people and they go, you know, wow, like I found the, the missing piece of what I was looking for, or I found that, um, that boost in confidence, that serotonin boost when people get together um, and, and form connections. That's what, that's, that's what I live for. That's, that's what um, gets me really excited about, you know, the customers that I engage with, the connections that happen, the deals that close from it. Um, when two people are involved in their, in their mutual success and a lot of them become friends afterwards. They get connected on LinkedIn. They keep in touch throughout their journey. Um, I, I really love that when you have that perfect connection that um, people really click together. I, I love that. And you, you said mutual success. I'm going to come back to that term because I think that's perfect. And I think it's sort of the thematic element really of our conversation today. And it sounds like if you decide to give up on the advocacy gig, you, you can do matchmaking 
you know, maybe like a retirement side gig for you. You can, you know, use those skills and continue to put good into the world and helping people connect. I love that you've, you, you're, are you one for one on the, the matchmaking or are there other success stories? I, I am. Thank, thankfully they're, they're still happily married. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't have many single friends left, but if you're single and, you know, need, uh, need a connection, uh, maybe I can find you, you're missing, uh, you're missing piece. So there you go. You're happy not a to uh, matchmake people as well. <laughs> not a one trick pony recipes, matchmaking, uh, just reach out to Jeff. Um, so you obviously have a great deal of experience, you know, working with internal stakeholders and you mentioned mutual success. So back to that. And it's important, of course, for, for closing deals and seeing people connect, but then also internally with those partners and those stakeholders, and you're within a large organization. I'm curious, could you share with the listeners, who do you engage with the most? And then mm -hmm. just kind of briefly how you support those different areas, and then we'll we'll dig into the details. Yeah, so stakeholder management is, is a, just a big part of advocacy in general. Um, and my number one um, is probably sales. I go to battle for them, I get in the trenches on their deals. Um, and I, I know how to speak their language. So I, you know, I'm able to, to talk with them about, you know, what's happening in the deal, who are some of the key players, um, you know, where, where there's the most need for things like references. Um, but I also talk to them about, you know, case studies, stories. Um, so it's a variety of different things, but, you know, my job is to both protect, um, our sales stakeholders, um, and our customers as as well. So, you know, really building trust with them quickly and making sure that they feel supported, that you're you're also competent enough to be able to to handle their their requests um, is really critical. And you can also make sure that um, you support them in a timely manner. So, I spend most of my time with sales, really understanding uh, sales strategy, sales plays. Um, and knowing what's happening in the deal, because you also want to make sure that you're supporting references at the right time, at the right sales stage, um, for someone to come in and help, you know, expedite that, um, that request. I would say the second, uh, closest, you know, stakeholder management is, is my internal advocacy team. Uh, there are storytellers, uh, there are other folks, um, focused around, you know, PR, just making sure that I'm building great advocate relationships with our customers to fulfill all the needs that we have, um, whether that's you know a case study or a PR request, uh, be able to fill that funnel um, and make it really seamless. And I think the most important component when you're dealing with you know other folks in your advocacy team is that handoff. Uh, so you're building a really great relationship with your customer, and now it's time to introduce someone else, pass them over to a colleague of yours who's going to, you know, help further showcase their voice, showcase their success. Um, so creating a really clean handoff when you introduce, you know, your advocates is, is critical as well, because they want to feel supported. They want to feel safe. They don't want you to feel like you forgot about them. Um, so I think, you know, if you can be a champion for your customers, but also, create really smooth handoffs so they don't have to repeat their story and they don't have to, you know, coordinate all these scheduled times. If you can create um, something that's seamless for them, I think they appreciate it as well. Um, and more likely than not, you're able to, you know, expedite any requests, like, like doing a case study or being involved in, in PR as well. That That's a great point. And I think that we sometimes... We all know that the relationships are are important, but you know you're highlighting the reason why. Um, and one of those you just mentioned is the ability to be more effective and efficient when you need to facilitate kind of the next level. You know, taking something to a story or a case study or something like that. It is a lot easier to get that done when it's backed by a very strong relationship, right? That ask becomes so much easier. If, if you can do it that way and lean on that relationship. Absolutely. And you're showcasing why as well. And I th think that one of the key roles with advocacy is, you know, boosting their confidence. You know, sometimes you have customers who uh, aren't sure that they want to share or they think their story isn't, 
you know, um, you know, worthy of uh, being in lights and, you know, on, on billboards. Um, so you're boosting their confidence as well. You don't want something to happen between those handoffs where they either lose interest or lose focus. You know, you're constantly building their confidence, uh, showcasing this trust and relationship and explaining why, you know, you're handing them off to, you know, someone else to, you know, look after for, um, you know, a set period of time, being able to check in with them, see how, how is the experience going for you? Um, so I like to, you know, make sure that service is, is white glove, you know, when, when you can really make sure that they feel supported. And I think customers appreciate that. Absolutely. 100%. And I want to go back just for a second, something that you mentioned when you're talking about sales, and I think we'll spend a fair amount of time today talking about sales, but you called out, you spend a lot of time understanding the sales strategy and the plays or the individual deals themselves. And I want to call that out because I think at times advocacy and reference management in particular has become very, very transactional on both sides of the fence. And what I mean by that is a request coming in from sales and you're not getting a lot of detail or on the other side, we're not digging into it. And therefore we're just sort of, okay, here. And we're tossing references that maybe aren't the best fit. Can you just talk a little bit about that and how you kind of get in the trenches with them and understand the true thought process? Absolutely. So there's, there's a few scenarios where sales will come in and they'll give you either limited information or they'll want someone specific, which is sometimes even more dangerous. Um, when I get when I get a new reference request, you know, I think it's important that you talk through the, the deal, the landscape, the audience, because uh, you want to make sure you're matching audience. You want to understand you know, what the timeline is of this deal to make sure that, you know, do they need it tomorrow or can they can they use it in, in three months? Um, and, you know, what questions are most important to them? Sometimes if they don't know the answers, you know, that is, um, you know, that could be that could be a red flag. So you really want to pry and make sure that you understand what's happening in the deal and you know, what they really want to talk about, because references as I don't love the term references, but I like curated connections. And I think that's an important verbiage when you're talking with customers, when you're asking them, hey, can you chat with X and Y prospect or X and Y customer? I think that this is a curated connection specifically for you because uh, you went through a similar challenge. Um, and I think you can help them overcome this hurdle by explaining, you know, your thought process and, and what you went through and how you actually overcame it. You want to inspire the next generation of, of builders and, and customers. Um, so I think that verbiage is really important. The second scenario where a salesperson comes in and says, hey, I want X big, big brand, this multinational company, I want them to be the reference. Well, they're not always at your, you know, beacon call. We can't always secure you know, X company to, to take this reference call. Um, and are they even the right fit for exactly. the needs of your deal? Do you want them because they're a big brand or do you want me to curate a connection that's, you know, based on some of the challenge that, that you've shared? So, um, you know, you want to help steer salespeople and make sure that they're not coming in in the wrong mindset. Your job is to make sure that they can feel calm, that they can feel that you're a trusted advisor in the process, and that it's not just picking, you know, a book off the shelf and saying, here's the book that you're looking for. It's tell me about what you like to read. It's tell me about, yes. you know, what's most important. If it was just, if it was easy as picking up, you know, something and matching them with someone else, you know, anyone could do it. But you know, I think there is an art to references. I think there is an art to the hospitality that you deliver to these internal stakeholders, to your customers. Um, and I think those are the critical components that make strong advocate programs or strong yep. reference programs um, in, in, how, in how they operate. Yep. And 
and I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I spent a number of years uh, exclusively focused on fulfilling reference requests. And I know that it is not always easy, especially when you have to push back. Like you said, you know, when sales doesn't volunteer the information that you need in order to go to the library, right? And use some strategy behind which book you're picking off the shelf, right? I mean, if you're looking for an adventure novel, you're not going to put yourself in the nonfiction section. So you, you have to have that information. And I know that that can sometimes make, or at least in my experience, they can get a little grumpy with you <laughs> at times when you're you're prodding. But I think for me, it was making sure that the lines of communication are open and that you're always catering your approach to that particular stakeholder. So with sales, it would be about, but I want to do this for you and I wanna make sure we knock it out of the park with the most appropriate reference. So I realize you might want Coca-Cola or Delta or you know Bank of America or one of these huge logos. I'm just pulling those big names out of you know my pocket here, but it's not always the right fit and here's and here's why and this is how I want to help you. So it it can get a little uncomfortable, but as you mentioned, having the confidence both yourself and instilling it in the internal stakeholder is is huge. Um I'm curious with that and I could actually we could take a left turn and we could talk about this for another 45 minutes, but that's that's maybe one of the challenges. I'm curious to talk a little bit more about challenges and the different groups that you work with and what kind of challenges are you facing when you're collaborating with them? We'll, we'll talk about how you overcome them, but for right now, what would you say are some of the big ones for those groups that you work with? Yeah. So with sales, it could either be, you know, challenges that you're facing with um, references, not getting the, the um, information that you're looking for, but also, you know, sales being blockers in, you know, who are doing the references. So you ask a salesperson, you know, hey, we have a deal in this, um, you know, situation. We would love to ask X, Y, and Z because of X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, they can be blockers in their own right. They could say there's a negotiation happening, that they're, um, it's not a good time. Um, there's various things that they could say that would shut down the conversation immediately. So, um, you, so you sometimes have to read in between the lines. You have to, you know, explain what, what's really happening. If you don't build, um, that trust really quickly, if you don't use some language that, um, you know, when I talk about sales language, um, I talk about really making sure that it, it speaks to them. If you write a three-page, you know, email to them asking about a customer, they might blow you off. Um, they might, um, you know, not not respond. Advocacy takes a lot of resilience. It takes a lot of, you know, reading through the lines about understanding the needs of salespeople as well, because they want to protect their customer. They want to protect their relationship, especially when you're dealing with folks that you haven't dealt with before. Um, so being able to get at their level, understand what's happening in their own environments is, is pretty critical as well. So, um, you know, I would say just make sure you're understanding the, you know, the tone reflection, the body language when you, when you speak with someone about, you know, what's actually happening at the account, are they, are they, you know, shooting you down for um specific reason or they just don't want to uh you know deal deal with something right now so um as you build trust and relationships you're you're able to kind of pry that that shell open um, but it takes time it takes um you know being able to mutually help them while they help you um and i think that just really comes with with time and and relationship building, um, as as much as you can come to the table saying, I know customer X is a fit because X, Y, and Z, sharing that background knowledge, most of the time allows you into the door saying, I know Tim is a great advocate because he did this and he spoke about this and 
coming to the table with with that knowledge, I think is is really critical rather than asking, hey, can I borrow your client, you know, Fortune 500 brand because I want them to talk with so-and-so. That doesn't always, always work. If you can come to the table with, you know, clear line of sight, with a true understanding of the environment, most of the time that does that does get you through the door. Yep. And have you had situations where you've you've been you know, asked for kind of as you're describing, been asked for the the big marquee name, and you've had to come back and say no. And I like that you said give them the why, which is typically um, pretty successful. Do you have any other tips? I'm sure that there are people listening who perhaps are maybe earlier in career and the confidence with kind of going toe to toe. I hate to make it adversarial mm-hmm. because it's not, but going toe to toe with sales to, to ease that or to get to that place of trust, because it there's nothing that builds trust other than time ultimately, but what can you do to accelerate that timeline? I think the first thing you do is, is be persistent, but, you know, be able to balance that as well. You don't want to be, you don't want to be annoying. You don't want them to, you know, totally blow you off. But I think showcasing persistence is key. Sometimes you meet people through over, you know, certain communication, um, you know, act a certain way, but when you call them, they're, they're totally different. Um, So I think, you know, being able to read people is, is super critical, being able to find common ground, uh, being able to understand their, their landscape, especially when you're dealing with large, you know, enterprise customers, you don't want hiccups and distractions. Um, you know, while, while other things are going on. So, you know, the more you can, you know, dig in with them, maybe help them with something that they're working on um, is, is super critical or um, yeah, really, really just getting on their level and, and helping to support them um, as needed. They'll open up their, their book to you and backing everything up with, um, you know, product usage, stats, information, that really show that you have understood the landscape and are not just picking them because of their brand name or, you know, something else. You can back it up with, with that intelligence as well. Yep. And you mentioned also uh, communicating the right way. I know that that's something I have called out and working with sales. And you had mentioned, you know, the internal advocacy team is another group that you work with. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you communicate very differently with with these mm-hmm. teams. Um, I have, have always found sales as a phone-driven group. Like they picking up the phone and five minutes gets me a lot farther than five emails back and forth or five unanswered emails. Would you agree with that? Or do you have any Absolutely. communication tips? Yeah, I, th- I think the vehicle of communication is really important. They, they do, you know, sometimes... Pre- prefer uh, phones, they're on the go, they're in airports, they're, they're in X, Y, and Z. So um, being able to reach them at the right time is critical. Being able to um, use verbiage that, that, that makes sense. Um, you know, I talked about before, like sometimes not using the word reference. Um, I don't like to use that with customers, but you know, you could also translate that as well with, um, with salespeople saying, I want your customer to help inspire X customer and to, you know, help save them from, you know, some of those mistakes. Um, I think the way you, you craft, um, you know, emails and sometimes subject lines, I think that that's critical as well to really grab their attention and to, you know, get right to the point, write short, concise emails, um, bold, you know, what is the action that you want them to take because they, they interpret things a lot faster. Um, one of the other tips and, you know, tool that I love in Outlook the most is a schedule later email. Um, you know, if, if you know they're in a different time zone, I deal with, um, you know, A's globally, but if someone's on the West Coast um, and I want to hit their inbox at, you know, 8.30 a.m. when maybe they're just getting ready for the day or they're an early riser and they're, um, you know, not into the weeds just yet, um, that might be the prime opportunity to get them as opposed to, 
um, having them at, at one o'clock and they're out or, or they're doing stuff. Um, so I think being strategic with that as well, knowing when, when to reach them, what vehicle to reach them on, um, and just making it really seamless um, for them. Maybe you're asking them, can I make the ask to your customer? Because a lot of the times salespeople um, don't want to get involved in asking for references specifically. They want to create clear separation of church and state um, and that they're responsible for um, you know, upsells and, and, and different, uh, different various actions, but don't want to be involved and ask because they, that might affect, um, that might affect deals that might affect, you know, someone asking for a discount. Um, so sometimes if you just ask, Hey, you know, I'd love to ask Tim directly, um, if, if he would be a reference, uh, that might also take them out of the equation. Doesn't, uh, give them an, um, you know, and doesn't give them an ask to do so they, they're not responsible um, and also doesn't tie them into the equation with the customer uh, for a specific favor. Um, and sometimes they're, they're just more open yep. to that. Yep. And I, and you know, back to your comment about what we call them, you already know I'm not the biggest fan either of the word reference. And it's not because it's not, you know, I mean, it's, it's an it's a noun, but it's not a terribly descriptive one <laughs> as far as what you're trying to accomplish. So I'm with you a hundred percent on what you call the request and what you're asking for can can be different. I mean, ultimately we're asking we all know what we're asking for, but how you position that is absolutely it can be a game changer. I could send one one message. Um, and if anyone is curious, do a little A-B testing on that. And I think, Jeff, you'd agree with me. You will see a more positive reaction with a different twist on how you describe the ask or what you call it. Absolutely. You can also look at their, you know, when you're psychoanalyze your customers, think about where they fit in in terms of their profile. Are, are they a status seeker? Are they someone who um, just likes to be a knowledge expert and enjoys kind of giving back to, to the community? Um, or is this like a, a big pull where they're, um, they're gonna feel strained to actually do it? So I think breaking down each one of saying, you know, hey, we want you to inspire someone else, or we know that you have tremendous expertise in X, Y, and Z, and, uh, we want you to showcase within your industry to someone else and you'll be able to network and meet someone new. And this curated connection is actually mutually beneficial for you to uh, you know, meet someone new and expand your network. Um, or if you're talking to someone who you know, does these from time to time, say, you know, we recognize, we ask a lot of you, um, you know, we'd be so grateful you know, for you to, to share your expertise. Um, and just just tapping into those personas, I think, are super critical and help with the ask, help expedite, you know, the response. Um, you want to make sure that your customers aren't dreading, you know, hearing from you, like, you know, hey, this person spoke to me last week. I don't, I don't want to, you know, take another reference call. So I think, you know, being able to know what's happening with your customer, to understand that there are other you know, they might be speaking at an event, they might be speaking with an analyst, you know, in, in tandem, recognizing all of their contributions, tapping into what drives them to, you know, engage with someone else, um, showcasing the mutually beneficial relationship, and um, and also maybe the allure of meeting someone new in their in their industry they might be might be excited about. I love that. I love the connecting it to the persona, if you will, because we talk about that and it's something that I feel strongly about because we are people, right? We have this innate kind of what we're drawn to or what resonates the most. And we do that within advocacy with our advocates, you know, right? There's a whole, you can Google it and look at all the different persona buckets that you can put advocates into. And I, and I think 
you can do the same thing with your internal customers as well, because how you position and ask or how you're communicating with them. Um, I've taken, this is why I love conversations with you. There's just, it's like one nugget after another. I have copious notes. So for, for everybody listening, um, I will try to summarize. And when we do our peer perspectives, you'll have a chance to ask some more questions. I I would like to to pivot just a bit, but keeping in mind something that you just said, knowing your customer. And obviously right now we're talking about knowing your internal customer. So we're we're going into or we're in Q4 now, which depending on where your fiscal calendar sits, it can be a very stressful time of the year for for everybody, but especially for our sales teams. What skills, Jeff, do you think that all customer advocacy professionals should have in their toolbox in order to build bridges and strong relationships? And maybe we can frame it kind of with the Q4 Mm -hmm. urgency here. Like what is going to help you uh, during what can be a stressful time? It can actually, you can come out looking great if you're able to step in and step it up this quarter. Let's talk a little bit about that. What skills are going to serve us well? Absolutely. So I think there's three critical things that I'll I'll, I'll give you a bonus as well as as we talk about the holidays and and stress. Um, I think the first one is is strategic thinking, knowing how to connect the dots, how you set up playbooks for account strategy, showing that you're, you know, in, in the weeds with them, thinking about how this account might be used or um, you know, how you're going to, to leverage a reference at the right time, I think is, is, is really critical. Um, communication is, is so important in the way you, um, you know, deliver to, to salespeople, how you, how you speak with them, how you communicate over the phone, how you exude, you know, confidence in that, in that ask, um, even how you negotiate, you know, with internal stakeholders and, and customers, um, you know, is, is really critical as well, because sometimes it's it's a trade-off. Uh, sometimes you have to, if you hear no, you have to say, well, you know, how do we reframe it and, and figure out other ways to engage? Um, being really resilient, sometimes taking no for an answer um, is is okay. But, you know, if, if there's another way in, if there's another back door or side door, you know, being able to, to look for that as well and figuring out, um, you know, mutually beneficial situations where um, you can still do this case study, you can still do this reference, um, you can protect the customer and and get it all done. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, stress and, uh, and Q4, um, sometimes you have to be, you know, you have to be a therapist, you have to be the calming voice when, you know, things are are thrown together when people are frantic, when people um, are under a time crunch, when there's sometimes senior leaders on email threads and it's a highly visible opportunity. You have to be a calm voice of reason with the right direction. So who are we gonna use for this request? Uh, what do we know about them? The more information that you have on, on your customer base, the better relationships that you have with the customer to be able to maybe turn this around quickly and showcase kind of a swift, um, you know, action for, um, you know, something that might come up, um, the better, the better you're situated for those type of fire drills, because fire drills will come up and you have to be ready and you have to be calm and you have to be able to sometimes wrangle other stakeholders and say, Let's come together. Let's talk about it. Let's understand what the needs are. I have someone in mind, but you know, tell me if this this resonates. Um, you know, you have to you have to stay calm, and um, and then hopefully other people will, will will exude that as well. They'll they'll be calm because you're calm. Um, so fire drills are definitely going to happen, but you have to be that that fire marshal, be able to lead them help them, you know, understand where the exits are and, uh, you know, get them, get them moving in the right direction. I, I love it. And I love that analogy. Uh, you're kind of the, the master of the, 
the metaphor or the analogy. And I, and I like that because it, it does describe, you know, you hear that within parenting, within being a good manager, like your team, your kids, whatever, they will match where you're at. And that means emotionally, that means from a, a stress perspective. And I know I can say there have been a couple of occasions during Q4 where you kind of have to do the duck thing, right? Like everything <laughs> looks fine on the surface, but underneath, we all know that you're just paddling to survive and be, be a duck, I guess, is kind of what I always felt my role in Q4 and just keep it keep it together and the nice thing is is it does pay off in the new year if you can help get someone from sales through a stressful high profile deal as you said um that that's that accelerant to the relationship building right when you can do that i would like to have i have just a couple more questions for you but this this next one is admittedly is a tough one so, but I know that you can, you can handle it and it's about measurement and it's about metrics. So this has become essential to our roles and, but I have always been one to say, but relationships are just as important, if not more so to what we're doing. So have you figured out how to quantify your value as a relationship builder, as a bridge builder? Yeah, that's that's a really tough one. Um, how do you showcase the relationships that you have, um, and you know, put that on a dashboard? Uh, we haven't specifically, but you know, from the experience that I have with with our customers, there's a few things that I look at that really showcase how strong our pool is, how effective we are as a team, um, and it's everything from how quickly advocates respond, which is subjective because some people naturally take longer to respond, but sometimes I've had engagements where it takes, you know, five minutes and they're like, yep, happy to engage. Um, that's totally fine because the way you craft your email, the way you craft the ask, the, the focus on the customer explaining why it's a, it's, it's a great experience helps alleviate any hurdles, helps alleviate any any doubt. You're queuing it up for them. You're making that seamless experience and they're able to quickly respond saying, yes, I'm interested in engaging. I'm interested in talking with that that prospect because I can relate to them. Um, I think I think that that's really critical. Um, so being able to match opportunities quick, being able to get positive responses from our, our customers is really important. Um, and just seeing, so sometimes we have advocates who move to other organizations, um, and the relationship metric that I like is just, you know, how likely are they advocates at, at their new companies? How often can we champion their success and, and their growth? Um, that's something that's, that's really fulfilling. And, um, you know, we, we measure, you know, the, the alumni of, of different, uh, different customers, and um, seeing how that that grows as well, whether they're introducing, um, you know, the platform to another organization, or they're continuing their journey to help strengthen, you know, someone else, um, that that's really exciting. But I would mainly say speed to, um, you know, speed speed and engagements, and just making sure that um, your customers are there for you, just like you are for your customers. So. When you provide really great service for a customer, they reciprocate it back. They um, know that you were able to support them and that they're there to help um, you know, su support you right back and, and to engage. So I love I love that one response rate. And I like advocate alumni too, you know, to see that we do that with customers, right? Why would we not do it like, oh, this person bought our solution here and then they moved over here. Same thing with with a willingness to to advocate. Um, and I will toss in there that, you know, I've certainly leveraged NPS just because it's kind of a standard, right? You typically mm -hmm. see a, a higher score or just a general kind of satisfaction survey have done those from from time to time. So it definitely, it can be done. It's still difficult and it's still um, 
challenging, but with that survey piece of it, one thing I'll toss out there is doing a survey of your inter of your internal customers, those folks mm -hmm. that you are building those bridges with. Uh, it is nice sometimes to have their their feedback and to be able to, you know, showcase that and say, see, you know, what we're doing here makes makes a difference. And I'm glad you brought that up around surveys as well, because I think anecdotes is sometimes that um, that middle ground to proving how successful advocate programs are. It doesn't always show up in the dashboard. It doesn't always show up in metrics, the number of requests that you, um, you know, respond to. But I think as an advocacy professional, we have to advocate for ourselves, our program, getting anecdotes from salespeople saying, you know, the reference team was able to support our deal. Um, they understood our needs and they, you know, quickly um, acted to, you know, find someone really successful, um, getting anecdotes from customers saying, you know, I enjoy being a reference because it allows yeah. me to meet other people. And it's always a curated experience. Those are the kind of anecdotes that will help, you know, bulletproof your, your program and, and make it really successful. Um, you know, I, I know before I shared an example of a salesperson coming to you in Q4, you know, being really, um, you know, anxious and, and sales leadership is, has eyes all over it and you're able to support, you know, that's, those are great anecdotes as well. And those should be part of the win reports. Advocacy participated in helping expedite close, you know, a deal close yeah. um, in that quarter, because if it doesn't close in that quarter, it's pushed to another quarter. And that's, and that's you're sometimes it, a problem. So. Yeah. To Q1. If you, you know, if you can bring it across the finish line in Q4, everybody wants that. They don't, you know, nothing disappoints a salesperson more than having to watch that big deal creep and slide into, into Q1. So I, I'm with you when I put together for leadership, you know, slides that showcase the numbers. I think that's great. And we need to have the numbers, but on that same slide, right alongside it is a narrative. And by that, I mean an anecdote. Um, it means that I want, you know, Sarah, who's one of our, you know, account executives, I want her to say, hey, if it wasn't for the fact that I got this reference and I got them on the line, I may not have closed it in, in Q4. You know, that stuff just, oof, it just brings everything together. So, um, and we can talk more about this when we get together for our peer perspectives. I want to, as always, of course, respect your time. So one last question before I close us out and I ask this of, of all the guests, what is the number one piece of advice that you related to this topic or not that you would like to give to this community? Follow the golden rule. Treat customers the way that you want to be treated. Respect their time. Respect their, their insights. Make it you know as as easy to engage as possible, um, and just you know put yourself in their shoes. Whether it's uh, you know the week of a holiday and you're asking you know a certain ask of them, you know recognize that. I recognize it's a busy time for families. For just just make it make it human. Make it really, um, you know, just think about yourself and, and how you want to be treated and know that they're individuals with a life outside of their work and, you know, their own work to, to, to manage. Um, and this is just an added layer that um, you're making hopefully fun to, to engage in and, and participate, but just, just recognize, you know, what you're asking. I love that. Would you say they're people, Jeff? They're people before they're professionals. <laughs> Gonna keep hammering they on. They're definitely people before professionals. And the more you can get to know their interests, their hobbies, their sports, their, their family, their dogs. You know, I like surprise and delight. I like, you know, making sure we can uh, remember things about them or send things, um, you know, that, that relate to their, uh, you know, their engagements. So, I think that always helps speed up that that response. Hey, how was I saw the Jets game last night? I saw, you know, this that makes it relatable, that makes it human. Yep. Exactly. I love it. That's that's great advice. Um and I imagine that for those of you who are listening, 
found this conversation fascinating. And as always, you may have some questions. Jeff brought up, I, I, I really do. If you could see my notebook, there's two pages here of notes. If you have questions about, well, how do I really get to know the sales plays? Or how do I learn to become more resilient? How do I become you know, ready to have that kind of toe-to-toe -to -toe conversation with sales? You're going to get a chance. You know by now, if you've been listening and if you are new, we will continue this conversation in a live Q&A format that will take place in a couple of weeks. That's my favorite part of doing this particular podcast, that the conversation does not have to end. Uh, follow me, follow Jeff on LinkedIn. Stay tuned for, for that link and more information. And of course, Jeff, Thank you so very much uh, for joining me today. This has been, as I knew it would be, an extremely human and a very fun conversation to have. Always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Customer X-Files. Don't forget to follow me, Allison Bukowski, on LinkedIn, where you'll find information about our Peer Perspectives session your chance to join the conversation live on each episode's topic, ask questions and network with your peers. Customer X-Files is brought to you by PeerSpot. In a market full of hype, PeerSpot's buying intelligence platform is where tech pros go to get practical, reliable information on enterprise technology. You work too hard to build strong customer relationships. It's time to leverage those relationships in a way that maximizes value for your organization and minimizes customer effort. PeerSpot's approach to customer-driven content empowers customer marketers and advocacy professionals that strive to achieve the gold standard within their industry. For more information, check out marketing.peerspot.com. And to keep getting this show in your podcast feed every time a new episode drops, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.